Hmm. Here's a reminder from the American Medical Association. George Carlin. So, at any rate. How Michael Scott of you to have to, like, actually, like, make a reference to something and then say what that's a reference to just so people get the joke? Yeah, I didn't even finish the joke. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. All right, so uh, we actually have the Happy Eld coming in live this time instead of in post-production. Hopefully that saves us a little bit of trouble. Yeah, they were here. uh, The band was here in studio. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. They had to leave really quickly, though, because they don't have much room here for scattered frogs. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, they're gone already. They, They packed up real quick. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's the way things work. Um, and anyway, Hey, uh, this is, um, pie factory podcast and this is episode 69. (laughs) Yeah. We've been waiting a long time to do this one. I'm almost wondering if we should have waited to do some certain games on this episode. Yeah. There's a lot more in the, of those type of games that we could talk about, but, uh, Here's what we'll do. Once Pie Factory podcast is over, we'll start another podcast just so we can do that for episode 69. There you go. Or just better yet, make every episode episode 69. Mm, that'd that be way confusing. we can make it. Man, that w- our show notes page wouldn't be able to handle that, though, because it expects things to be like numbered differently. You know, so. I am a bit of a road geek, and Interstate 69 uh, goes through uh, the town of Lansing, Michigan, you know, the state capital oh, up there. Yes. And it intersects and actually is on the same route as interstate 96 and i drove through lansing one time and i actually got uh messed up on the direction i was driving because oh. the numbers are so similar oh, in fact lovely. i just saw a picture the other day uh even the highway department at one time had the wrong sign uh directing people where to go so that was uh, that was fun. oh you know what i loved it was on the philadelphia or the pennsylvania turnpike i think they've since gotten rid of it but for the longest time it would have two different exit numbers at every exit. It would say like exit two forty three, formerly exit two thirty five, or something like that. In Ohio, they did that because previously Ohio had the, the Ohio turnpikes were numbered sequentially, like exit one, exit two, and then they decided to move everything to uh, mile markers. Yeah, of course, I don't know if they did that though, but eh, that makes more sense to me because otherwise, then if you put a new exit between one and two, then two has to become two, and then you got to renumber everything else. So. Yeah. That would be a pain in the ass. Yeah, which but. is why I think exit 16 on the New Jersey Turnpike has goes up to, like, J or something. Oh, jeez. I mean, we have those here, but they're for multiple ramp, ramps of the same exit. Well, yeah, of course. But uh, anyway, hey, everybody. Uh, this is uh, your host. Um, my name is Sean, and uh, I'm coming to you from the um, village of Chicago. And um, over to the other place is the other host of this podcast. Yes, coming to you from the megalopolis of Morris. This is uh, Jimmy G. And another warning, I still have my nasty cough, and I'm still, uh, I still have cough drops that I am partaking of. I was going to say something else, but given the episode number, people would probably take it the wrong way. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, uh, if you hear it's me sounding like having candy or something, it is a cough drop. Oh. And I decided to try to help cure my, well, help soothe my cough anyway, is uh, I'm actually going to be giving up tea for a while and just drinking straight water because I've heard that uh, tea can actually dry your uh, throat out and actually make coughing worse. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to try anything at this point. Sulfuric acid? Anything. Hmm. Tea? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Okay, almost anything. Ah, you heard it here first, everybody. Jimmy G would rather try sulfuric acid than tea. Anyway, um, Jimmy G, how have uh, how have you been gaming wise the past couple of weeks since we recorded? Well, um, did I bring up how I built a? Uh, oh, I think I did bring up how the little Robotron thingy yes. that I built for the seventy eight hundred last episode. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there it is. There it is. There it is. As I haven't. What have I been playing? Have I really been playing much of anything lately? I know I've been playing in. Been playing in Mame. I think I actually did more video than you did of uh, game streaming, which is weird because I never do that. That's what we haven't brought up on uh, on the on the podcast is I, during uh, our break for Christmas. I was experimenting with doing some uh, some like live game playing video or whatever. And um, Sean asked me for the software I was using to help stream, and I gave it to him. And it seems to be actually working okay on your Mac. I, I don't oh, yeah. think I gave it to you, but I think I actually told you where to download yeah, it. I actually uh, already had it, because I think I was oh. going to try it for Midwest Gaming Classic last year. Okay. I just kind of gave up. It's, uh, what was it, open broadcast software or something like that? Some, or? Something like that. Yeah. The only and, thing uh, is I, that I, I really wish I could figure out is uh, I have a Canopus, formerly Grass Valley, ADVC 110 video capture thingy mm-hmm. that I, I use it to uh, digitize videotapes with. And I was running my Atari 7800 directly through that. And unfortunately, the signal's pretty low. It's very dim mm-hmm. when you run things through that. And uh, uh, it, there are I did post a couple of videos on Facebook, or not Facebook, uh, YouTube, actually, like I did a Donkey Kong PK Donkey Kong 7800 comparison video that looks pretty good. But the reason that it does look kind of decent and not faded out is that I touched up the movie in post-production, which you can't really do in a live stream. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, is it that the ADVC 110 is bad? And it turns out, no, our friend, the No Swear Gamer once told me that uh, video capture cards are notorious for not having the greatest quality with video game consoles. Aha. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering if there's a way that I can brighten it up somehow, even if I have to use an extra piece of hardware or something. That'd be really good. Oh, I wonder if maybe run, running it through a VCR might help. Oh, hmm. I guess you could try, try that. that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, let us know if you, uh, if you, if you would be interested to watch more of, more videos if you'd like to see us do them on like a regular schedule. As opposed to playing um, the games yourself. You watch some other schmucks play- do it, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't even get me started on that. I'll tell you what, though. When Ferg was doing his, uh, the extra, was it extra life? Yeah, it was extra yeah. life. And he was live streaming on uh, YouTube. I was fascinated. I was watching him and Sarah play video Olympics. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just fascinated by it. And, and I had to comment on the channel that it's just so odd that it's fascinating watching a couple of people in Delaware play Pong. Mm-hmm-hmm. Yeah, true, true. And that's something else I was kind of uh, looking to do is uh, actually getting some, see if we can't get an emulator of some sort running so me and you could play something at the same time. But uh, I know the version of MAME that I have on my phone uh, has NetPlay in it, but uh, I'm not familiar with any of the other home versions of MAME that could possibly have that. But I know they're out there. I just i am not familiar with them, that's all. So at some point, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll see. But as far as, as gaming goes, though, I haven't really been doing a whole hell of a lot. I did buy a few games. I think I did say that from uh, uh, Clutter. That's that 
uh, place in Morris here is going to be opening an arcade at the end of the month. Actually, uh, February 1st, which is, uh, what, seven, eight days away from when we're recording this. So uh, I bought yeah. a few Atari games there, but I haven't gotten a chance to try them out yet. I think it was Street Racer, or I'm sorry, Slot Racer, um, the, what was the M network, Frogs and Flies, or is it Frog Bog? I can't Frog remember. Frog Bog is in television, Frogs and Flies is uh, Atari 2600. The M network one. Yes. The M network one is Frogs and Flies. Frogs and Flies. Yeah, okay, so Oh, yeah. and Street, Street Racer's the other game that I got. Oh, okay. Which I have not played either of them yet. Oh, man, I was I gave one away at Midwest Gaming Classic last year. Really? Yeah, it was just the board, though. No, it didn't have a cartridge shell or anything. Oh, I got you. Because I had used the Street Racer shell in an attempt to make a Mateos cart shell out of it, and it was a miserable failure. Uh-huh. So I just put it in our giveaway box. And every th- I was, yeah, I know I'm, what what is it, nine months late now and announced this? Everything on our giveaway box was taken. I was happy about that. We're going to have another one this year at Midwest Gaming Classic, by the way. Oh, and actually, I think I got something I can add to it. It's uh, the Pole Position 2 cartridge that I sacrificed for my Mateos. Uh, I've got the board for pole position too. I'll just oh, pop okay. that in there. There we go. So yeah. Oh, we should try that like every year at Midwest Gaming Classic have some kind of bear cartridge board in it. Mystery game. Oh man, we should have we should have like a an NES. Ninety percent of them will be reactor. We should have a <laughs> um, maybe a bear NES board or something next year just to change things up so it's not an Atari thing. Oh, by the way, have you heard about this Kickstarter? Um, trying to yeah, move, move yeah, through here. But- yeah, I heard about it. I heard a little bit about it. I think Good Deal Games posted about it. I don't remember the name of it, but it's uh, a a programming environment. It, I guess it's like pretty much drag and trap that allows you to make your own NES games. I think the lowest level you can uh, support it is like thirty five dollars, and you can get the uh, get the software. At the next highest level, I think you get a uh, a burner, so you can burn a um, an NES flash cartridge. And at the next highest level, you get uh, also get the cartridge with it. So, jeez, uh, I, I, I don't remember the name of it. And I'm not going to about to go look for it right now, but I'm sure we'll have it up in the uh, the show notes. Oh, oh should I do this? Uh, yeah, probably. Even though you, know, you didn't what? say link in the show notes. Oh, I just did. So there we go. Okay, let's find Well, while you're finding out, I should talk about my pickups, of which there's one. And it wasn't so much as a pickup of as it was a drop-off, because it came in the mail. And uh, that is an Atari 7800 homebrew called Roof Pooper. Roof Pooper. Roof Pooper. It's basically a, a homebrew adaptation of the... I, I didn't even know this game existed. It's called um, Muddy Heights. Have you heard of it? Muddy I have not, no. It's an online game. It's it's like got a 3D perspective and everything. Graphically, it looks really well done. But Muddy Heights, what you're doing, you're controlling a character on top of a roof who basically has to um, uh, deposit um, solid waste onto various targets down below. And Roof Pooper is a two-dimensional adaptation of that. And you control a character moving left and right across the roof. And you press the fire button, and the character, um, it, let's just say, relieves himself solidly and um, aims to hit a passerby. And yeah, I admit it that I, I bought this thing because it's called Roof Pooper. It's not the graphically most attractive thing in the world, because it's very kind of basic, if you will, but it's so much fun. So I've been having fun with that. Oh, by the way, the, uh, the Kickstarter I'm uh, thinking of, it's called NES Maker. How did I forget that? I don't know. At any rate, continue. Oh, I was done. Oh, you're done. So awesome. you continue. Um, 
Okay. Um, well, if you don't have anything else at the moment, then I will well, talk. Well, I'm out of credits, so. Okay, well, uh, there's one more thing uh, mentioned, I believe, in the last episode that the Sean Kelly video game store known as Video Games Then and Now was closing and relocating. Uh, they were supposed to uh, have opened by now, but they had a little bit of a delay, so now the plan is Video Games Then and Now will be reopening in the first week of February. So February. Uh, possibly by the time you hear this, it'll be open. And uh, that's going to be at uh, 4815 North Harlem Avenue. Yes, North Harlem Avenue in Harwood, he- Harwood Heights, Illinois. Harlem so Furniture. Anybody oh, happen to be going to the Chicago area and who has been to that store before, you're going to head half a mile north for, uh, at this point. So watch out for that. Watch out for what? Watch out for snakes. I got to do it this time. Woo! Well, I said it. I didn't have you have it on the, the soundboard. Which I apologize in advance for not having my soundboard ready. And uh, that is Lazy Mouth. <laughs> you know what? Lazy Mouth should be your name one of these episodes. Ooh, next time, yes. <clears throat> w, not W. W? Ooh, maybe that'll be for episode 71. Ooh, there you go. But, uh, hey, that's all I had for news. That's all I had for what I've been up to. Do you have anything uh, to contribute? Well, heck, should we uh, go into Addenda and Errata? Sure, why not? All right, thank you, Scattered Frog. Yeah, they uh, actually uh, came back in and set up just to play that, and now they're gone again already. Yeah, and and, uh, Sean and Victor and Andy even came in with them very briefly. Yeah, I know. Shame they couldn't stay. That was a quick quick flight from the UK and uh, from Minneapolis there to get all of them guys in. Yeah, well, they had had to hurry up and get out because it's a work night. But, unless uh, unless they have access to IBM's uh, teleporters that they're working on. All right. Well, first things first, which is by definition the truth. First things are first. But anyway, I caught this before it was pointed out to us, and I feel stupid. We were talking about Christmas well, presents that we uh, received uh, this past Christmas. There's one. Mm-hmm. There's one in particular that both of us completely, totally forgot. And yeah, this is a big forget here. Yeah. Big forgetful moment. Yeah. Both Jim and I got from a couple of friends of ours T-shirts. And what's so significant about these T-shirts? Well, it's got the Atari 7800 version of Chuck from Food Fight. Charlie Chuck. It says on it, stay classic. And that was a Christmas present from Super Podcast Brothers. To be honest, I thought it was an 8-bit rendering of you, Sean, but uh, it was a little too short for that. I'm flattered. What is it with people thinking I'm thin? Because... uh, well, the head was the right size. I had to go to a uh, developer conference a couple of weeks ago, and uh, our HR person signed me up for it. And I noticed on the ticket that it said T-shirt size extra large. And I was like, oh, my God, you're so kind. <laughs> and she said, well, I didn't want to assume. I was like, oh, come on. Look at me. I'm fat. You don't, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to uh, downsize it. Just admit it. You got a fat guy working here, all right? But uh, P-H-A-T guy. And that yes. too, yes, very. But uh, but yeah, I've got some great T-shirts from uh, Super Podcast Brothers. Uh, from their, Thank you very much. From their Red Bubble store, we will put a link in the show notes to said T-shirt, so you can buy one yourself. There's only one thing that I don't like about it is that it doesn't say Super Podcast Brothers on it anywhere. I would have loved to have given them some advertising. To be perfectly honest, though, I think they could sell a lot more of them without it on there too, though. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. Maybe they should maybe should have two designs, one with and one without. But it, that's actually gave me an idea for a t-shirt that we should do. 
I wonder if we could do a Tinkle Pit t-shirt through Redbubble because there was some, oh, where was it that they wouldn't, it was, uh, was it Etsy that wouldn't let us do a Tinkle Pit thing because of I think copyright? It was. Yeah. It was up in the store for like five minutes. They're like, well, hold it, hold it, hold it. No, 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 no. <laughs> we can't let you make money off of a, off of a game that Namco refused to release in the United States. But I had a thought. It'd be a similar design to theirs. And it'll have uh, it'll have a picture of Uncle Pooh on it. And underneath it'll say, let's Uncle Pooh. That'd be cool, too. The possibilities are endless, so to speak. And what else? There's uh, something else that uh, we apologize, Super Podcast Brothers. We, we're big fans. You guys have always been good to us. and you know, it was, Literally, we're both overweight. It was, we're really well, big fans. Oh, yeah. And it, it was tons of fun hanging out with those guys back in August, too. They oh, were, hell yeah. We hope to do that again this year sometime. Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think, didn't Tim, aren't they coming to uh, Midwest Gaming Classic? They talked about it. Yeah, they're not going to have a table or anything. They're going to go just for the show, which is fine. But uh, maybe we'll hang out with them again then. So. Ooh, maybe. And this time I got to remember to bring my uh, Joking Hazard set, too. Oh, yes. That game is a lot of fun. Yeah. We also um, forgot to mention when we were talking about how we were at Galloping Ghost oh, over yes, the break. Oh, yes, do tell. How we were playing two-player games. We did two Tigers and Mortal Kombat, but... Um, we neglected to mention that we actually played Blastroids two players at the same time. I had never done that before. I don't think you had ever done that before. No, I, I rarely play two-player games. So, And we did the docking thing that we talked about in the Blastroids episode. And when you have two ships docked, the first of all, the game's a lot of fun with two players at the same time. But when you do the docking thing, it's a lot more fun. We had a blast playing that uh, when we had both of our ships docked. Well, you did. And to me, it was the novelty wore off pretty quickly. Really? Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a. It was a great. Uh, a great little uh, feature. But hey, I mean, I don't know. I just. I'm just fussy that way, I guess. Well, be that way. All right. Okay. You know, that's one thing with with, with all of our reviews. We've we've talked about quite a few games that are two players at the same time, like Mario Brothers and. Did we play that one two players at the same time no. at all? No. We need to do that one. Uh, like Mario Brothers and then Two Tigers, Mortal Kombat, Blastroids. I think there might have been a few others. And I'm really thinking if we do any more games that can do two players at the same time, that we should at least try to find some way to play them yeah. uh, together. Because all of those games take on a little bit different... Um, cabbage? Cabbage. A little bit different uh, style, a little bit different atmosphere... Uh, the games are a little bit different when you play them two at the same time, and in many cases they're a lot more fun. I think you had said in the last episode that you actually didn't hate Mortal Kombat when we and me and you yeah, were playing oh, yeah. it two at the same time. Yeah, I was having fun with that. I was, whoa, yeah. I'm actually enjoying this. Yeah, and but then again, as we said in that episode, the caveat being that as long as the two players are evenly matched, that game can be a lot of fun um, sure. when you're playing it. But the one-player mission, I'm still... Yeah, maybe I'll play it a little bit more. Maybe see if I can find something out. Maybe I'll play it with. Uh, oh man, we need more uh, royalty. Ah, screw it. I'll just say with uh, Johnny Cage and uh, see what happens. Although I have a feeling he might not be too good at the game. He was just the actor, so. <laughs> but you never know. He could he could kick ass at it. And Doctor Philip on he probably he's probably not any good at it either because he said what well, well, we talked to him and you said yeah we did, we gave Mortal Kombat a bad review and he said actually I don't care because I don't like games anyway. <laughs> no, there you go. <laughs> So, but I, I think uh, I, I think uh, the guy who does Johnny Cage, uh, Daniel Pacina, uh, probably likes the game. Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah, I, he probably has a blast every time he plays it. So, yeah. and he's but, a good um, he's a good guy. He really is. Oh yes. So yeah. So um, 
Next time we go to an arcade together, we need to go down the list of all the games we've talked about that are two at the same time and uh, just hit them up and give the games like a two-player at the same time score in addition to the single-player score. Hmm. Oh, maybe that's an idea for a bonus episode. Ooh. Hmm. I am going to write that down. And while you're at it, stick your tongue out of your mouth and wag it up and down as fast uh, as you can. <laughs> and exaggerate your mouth movements. You know what you need to do is, um... Oh, God, what was the uh, the Mystery Science Theater episode? It was about speech, and there was a line in there about uh, lip and tongue motion or something like that. Pronounce each individual syllable. Syllable? I'm so glad I bought that record. Oh, I was watching a YouTube review of uh, 7800 this afternoon. And the guy kept pronouncing Zevius, Zevius. Okay. I'm over it. You need to get Nelson saying, I know, I was just thinking that. That's another game we didn't play. Did we pl- play the Simpsons 2 player? Yes, we did. We did, okay. Yeah, remember we were playing that f- f- in preparation for that episode. Oh, And there was that's at right. one point when I said, okay, how long until this game's done? You know, you pretty much you, you play pretty much any multiplayer Konami beat 'em up. You pretty much played them all. Yeah, for the most part. But but we'll there's still more to review, and we'll probably get to them eventually. I don't know if we'll do any of the Ninja Turtle sequels. I think there were two more oh Ninja Turtle games in the arcade. Oh well. Oh well. But having said that, uh, why don't we talk about a couple of games? Oh, we're all done with the Denda and Arata, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Wow. We're doing pretty good on time. Right, we only had a Dendo. We didn't have any errata, so That's true. We've been... Our track record as of late has just been amazing, if I do say so myself. Well, you're saying that. I don't toot my own horn. Because usually when I toot my own horn, this is the horn I hear. <laughs> Insert joke about the 70s song, You Can Ring My Bell, here. So. Yeah. I, I, I agree. We should talk about a couple of games. Yeah, okay. So, um... I will offer you first choice of this episode. Which game should we discuss of the two that we agreed to discuss? Hmm. I say I'm going to repeat a joke that I know we've done before, uh, and let's go in alphabetical order and talk about Gravatar. Huzzah, Gravatar. Huzzah. Uh, Gravatar is... Remember, that's what we're going to say now instead of... Yes, huzzah. We talked about that last episode. Huzzah! Gravatar is from Atari. It's from 1982. It is an upright... Color vector game. Don't know if they ever... I didn't find any information about any other versions, about a cocktail or whatever, but at any rate. Whoa, I did a change of my document here uh, with the search and replace that I did not intend. Uh, I was taken aback. What did you search and replace? Well, the word galaxy for solar system, and somehow uh, it took out the word object and replaced it with the word solar system. Well, just leave it and see what happens. Okay, the solar system of the game is to defeat the forces of Gravatar. And you do that by destroying all the installations on the four main planets, or by destroying the red planets in the in each solar system. And you do all this while gravity pulls you to or pushes you from the planet, and that's dependent on the solar system. Now, top of the screen, your score, you got a fuel meter. Uh, you start out with, uh, I believe it was 9,999 fuel units. If you run out of fuel, it's game over, by the way. The first screen that you start on is your is the map of the solar system. And it'll show you your four main planets and the red planet. Uh, and there is a, a circle where your ship starts that is 
your portal into the solar system, and then there's a sun, which uh, the gravity pulls you toward the sun, regardless of the gravity conditions of the planets on that particular solar system. Now, on this screen, two alien ships will come out of the red planet and try to, you know, try to shoot you. Now, you can shoot them while you're on the screen, or if you get close to one, it comes in, it uh, zooms into like a close-up screen where it's like a, a battle between you and your and the other UFO. You can avoid them. You'll end up, you know, getting to these dogfights quite often. So the first screen's the solar system. The second screen is the one-on-one with the alien ships that come out of the red planet. And the third screen is the planet that you go to, be it one of the planets or the red planet. Now, first of all, the red planet is always a spiral. And there's like a device in the middle that you have to shoot and get out. You have 25 seconds to get through that maze and get out. Remember that you have gravity working against you this whole time. And the controls are pretty similar to the ones in Asteroids Deluxe. You have a left rotate button, a right rotate button, a fire button, a thrust button, and a shield slash tractor beam button. On each planet, the exception of the first red planet, will have uh, bunkers on them, which you have to destroy. They're constantly shooting at you. It can be really hard to dodge the bullets of these things. And it will have, at the very least, some uh, blue squares on there. The blue squares are energy pods. Is it safe to eat the energy pods? Well, no. Because they're only blue. If they were orange and blue, that would be different. Because that's the only kind of pods that people are eating these days, apparently. And one of the stupidest memes slash jokes I've ever seen on the internet. And I hope somebody gets really sick because of their stupidity over that. But at any rate, that's just me. Now, the blue squares are energy pods. And you press the shield slash tractor button to beam up the energy. And I believe you get uh, 2,500 bonus fuel points for each pod that you beam back aboard. And normally we would do kind of like the video game physics thing here, but uh, unlike most games where you actually have to shoot the fuel pod and then you somehow that fuel that exploded is in your ship, you're actually capturing the fuel and bringing it aboard your ship. So this makes more sense from a physics standpoint. In fact, the physics in this game are pretty spot on, which is one of the uh, downfalls of this game, I would say. To defeat the planet, you have to destroy all of the bunkers. Uh, Also on the planet, there's an enemy called... What do they call it? They call it a rammer. And they hover in the atmosphere in the in the planets, like above the highest point. Like, the t- you look at, like, the tallest mountain, and the rammers really can't go beyond, you know, go below that. Are the rammers now, safe to eat? Uh, yes. So, at any rate, there's that. Okay, okay, I'll do it. So, you got that going for you. Actually, you got that going against you. Now, as I mentioned, the red planet is a spiral... There are no bunkers in the red planet in the first solar system. And every solar system thereafter, you get two seconds taken off your time. And that time is to get into the middle, shoot it, and get out. It's not get in to shoot it, and then you get, then the timer resets. No, you have 25 seconds to get in, shoot it, and get out. Starting in the second solar system, after you shoot the pod or whatever it is in the middle of the screen, or in the middle of the red planet, Bunkers will come out and start shooting at you, making your job harder. And in the third solar system, the bunkers are there all the time. And uh, it's the easiest, well, it's the fastest way to get to defeat a solar system, but it is by far not the easiest, not by a long freaking shot. Each solar system, there are four solar systems in the game. Each of them have four different planets. Like I said, the red uh, the red planet stays the same in each one, but the, the four regular planets are the same in each or excuse me, different in each of the first four solar systems. Each solar system has its own unique rules. 
The first solar system has regular gravity, pulls you down or toward the middle of the uh, the landmass. There is there is one, maybe two planets where it's actually round. Otherwise, it's just a straight, kind of like in um, in uh, Lunar Lander, which uh, I heard is actually the inspiration for this game. Oh yeah, if you fly, if you're on the regular planet, you fly to the left or the right. It just keeps scrolling like it's one single planet. So uh, unless it's the uh, the one that's like the full round planet. In which case, if you go off to the left, right, up, or down, you leave the planet. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, you can leave the planet at any time by um, thrusting up to the top of the screen. The first solar, solar system has regular gravity. second one has negative gravity, which means it's pushing you away from the planet. All right? Now, the third solar system has regular gravity again, but it's got an invisible landscape, and it's at the maximum difficulty. So if you thought that was bad... The next solar system has negative gravity with an invisible landscape and maximum difficulty. And as far as I can tell, because trust me, I had to put cheats on to play this game. As far as I can tell, nothing you do will actually give you a clue as to what the landscape looks like. So you got that going against you. The default settings of the game, you get four ships. Uh, There's a bonus ship every 10,000 points. I talked a little bit about the controls Every time you use the thrust button or the shield slash tractor button, it uses energy. And if you use the shield, when you use the shield and tractor button, if you're in the in the solar system screen, only the shield will appear. If you're on the planet, the shield and the tractor beam will both appear. The only thing the, tra- the shield protects you against are these shots from the bunkers. does not protect you from crashing into anything. So there's not much real reason to use it. Oh, yeah, and compounding that not much real reason to use it is while you're holding the shield button down, you cannot fire. You can thrust your ship, you can rotate your ship, but you cannot fire. So it's kind of a mixed blessing, I guess. I don't know. Now, as far as scoring goes, uh, the regular enemies, the red bunker is 250 points. A rammer is 100 points. Uh, that, As I said, those are on the planet. And the alien ships are also 100 points. On the solar system screen, each planet has a number next to it. It's a planet bonus, and uh, it indicates the difficulty of the planet. Uh, 2,000 bonus points is the easiest planet. Then there's 4,000, 6,000, 8,000, and the red alien planet is 9,000 points bonus. The longer it takes you to complete a planet determines how much of that bonus you get. And the order in which you complete the planets determines uh, if you get a super bonus. You don't get a super bonus for doing the 2,000-point planet at all. And you don't get a super bonus planet if you complete them all in the level of difficulty, like 2,000, 4,000, 6,000, 8,000. However, if you do them in any sort of order, you will get uh, the other super bonus points. Um, As far as the points go, uh, for the 2,000-point planet, there are zero super bonus points. Next difficult planet is 2,000 super bonus. The next difficult is 6,000 super bonus. That's actually also 6,000 of a regular bonus. Uh, the next difficult is the tw- you get a 12,000 bonus. And if you do the red planet, you get 20,000 super bonus points. And that means that you will get two extra ships if you do the uh, uh, if you can do the red planet bonus. If I am reading about the bonuses uh, correctly. What if you're um, reading about them incorrectly, though? Well, then, well, that would be quite the conundrum, wouldn't it? Hmm, conundrum. Did I mention that this is a color vector game? I did. Yes, that was uh, the first yes. thing you said. Yes, there we go. Yeah, full full color vectors, obviously black background. Uh, the vectors in some situations, especially on the solar system screen, screen seem to be a little thin. I think that's really the thing with uh, any sort of a blue vector, which unfortunately your ship is a blue vector uh, creation. But um, uh, there you go. 
Now, there were no sequels to this game at all. In fact, this was really very disappointing in sales. I didn't get a, a wasn't able to find like a number of how many machines were created or anything. But uh, uh, as you, we mentioned on the Black Widow episode, a lot of Gravatar machines were converted into Black Widow because this game is insanely hard. Yeah, Black Widow is easy. Well, easier than this. Um, it's not an easy game, but it's a lot easier than this, and we'll tell you why when well, I tell you that, my story. Yeah, that is true. That is There true. was only one home port of this game, and that was on the Atari 2600. And um, interestingly, this game on the 2600, I really like this on the 2600 a lot. I think this is yeah, a good... Yeah, me too. This is a really good game, and because of the nature of the graphics, I think there's a lot more leeway as far as crashing or not crashing into things uh, because of the way your shape is shipped, and then the shape... Shape is shipped? Ship Ship, 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 shape. The How way much does ship- it cost to ship a shape? Just to shape a ship. What? I don't know. You know, Michael Myers in the original Halloween movie was only billed as the shape. Ooh. Little trivia. The ship of your shape versus the blocky, um, you know, backgrounds that the 2600 is notorious for uh, makes the game a little easier when it comes to navigation. There are five different levels, uh, variations on it. One of them has absolutely no gravity whatsoever, but gives you like four, four or six lives. I can't remember. And one of them is a regular game, but it's a practice mode that gives you 100 lives. And you can actually blow through those pretty easily on that particular variation. It was originally only available through the Atari Club, and that was the Silver Box, which, oh, by the way, I think I mentioned in a previous episode, I think I had a silver label. Uh, I've got a red label. Yeah, Don't me have too. the silver. I was thinking of Stargate. I have a silver label Stargate. Uh, not the red label Stargate or Defender 2 as that one is. But uh, this was also later released in retail in a red box or red label. And this is interesting because I used to get the uh, the Atari Club magazine way back when. And um, oh, I was remember. It, was it called Atari Age or was it, did they change it, the name or? It was Atari Age. It, it was the Atari Club, but Atari Age was the magazine of the Atari Club. Gotcha. Okay. That's what it was. The, so it was available only to Atari Club members through the Atari Age magazine. Interestingly, they introduced the game in the September-October 1983 issue of the Atari Age magazine, and um, it was a silver cover. It said, uh, Video Game Masters Competition. And this is this was interesting. Um, snipped this out of the Atari Club, and this is quoting the Atari Age magazine directly. Uh, I don't remember the name of the guy who was the editor. It was Steve something. I, can't, I, I don't recall, but... Uh, he says, how did the Atari Club get Gravatar as an exclusive cartridge introduction? We saw it months ago and loved it, but it never seemed to appear on Atari's cartridge release schedule. We checked with Joel Oberman, the product manager for the game, and learned that market testing showed Gravatar was not for everyone. Only the best game players enjoyed it, and he was concerned about releasing a game this challenging to the general public. If you're looking for good game players, I've got them, I told Joel, and with the cooperation of a lot of talented people at Atari, we can now offer Gravatar to club members alone. But like I said later on, it was released to the general public. I think I got mine through the catalog they used to have at the back of Radio Shack. In fact, I know I did, because uh, I never really saw it in stores. Um, I first played this, actually, at the Putt-Putt Golf and Games on Essington Road in Joliet, Illinois. Oh, color um, me fancily surprised. Indeed. Some uh, trivia here. Depending on the highest score on the high screen table, the high screen table will actually have a caption at the top of the screen. If the high score is between 0 and 20,000 points, the high score screen caption will be Flunky. Between 20,001 and 40,000 points, it will be Gunner. Between 40,001 and 80,000 points, it will be Copilot. Between 80,001 and 100,000 points, the high score table will be li- labeled Pilot. Between 100,001 
and 200,000 points will be Ace Pilot. Between 201... This can't be right. 201,001? That's probably 200,001. The... What I have printed here is wrong. Between 200,001 and 400,000 points is Killer Pilot. And get the soundboard ready. <clears throat> Between 400,001 points and 800,000 points, uh, the high score table is labeled Pontius Pilot. You can go either way with that one. You could do that or the... Lying Gets. Uh, or you could go with Lying Gets. Ooh, that would be awesome if it was Lying Gets, but... Uh, Above 800,000 points. I think he points. said gets, actually. Oh, that's true. But above 800,000 points, the high score table is labeled Gotta Be Lucky, which is truth in advertising. Th- this sounds familiar. It seems to me there's another game that has those same ranks. Or is it that the uh, the 2600 version, does that one carry the ranks over, too? You know what? I don't know. might have been where I saw that. Uh, there's a bug in the game. If there's a joint between two vectors that's and it's it's like at an angle greater than 90 degrees, if you push it, position your ship below it, and you shoot, you know, hit the fire button upward. You know, position your ship below it and shoot the and hit the fire button as long as you're shooting upwards. If you presi- position yourself correctly, the shots will travel through the walls at the joint. And then, if your shot makes it through, then you thrust your ship straight up, and you will find yourself actually inside the planet. I'm going to try that someday, as soon as I get good at this game, which is probably going to be never. <laughs> okay, check this out. Okay. Oh. There are some hints, and these were actually from the operator's manual. And these are really good hints. These will help you play the game and they'll increase your score and maybe get you the awe and respect of, uh, you know, of, uh, of neighborhood kids and uh, their minions. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> hint number one. Do we have a drum roll? On the you know what? No, um, hold on a sec. All right, what was that you were asking? Do we have a drum roll on the soundboard? Uh, let me see. Okay. Hit number one. Develop skill for controlling the spaceship in regular and negative gravity. Hit number two. Beam up fuel cells with the tractor shield button. Hint three. Attack the red alien planet first for maximum challenge and 20,000 bonus points. Completion of this planet immediately places a player in the next solar system where all planets are worth 9,000 bonus points. Oh, I didn't know that. Hint number four. Attack more difficult planets in the solar system. Okay, this is copied from their, their manual directly. Attack more difficult planets solar system in the solar system. Oh, no, because I did the copy replace. That's right. So I probably uh, effed that up there. Attack more difficult planets in the solar system for higher bonus points. And hit number five. Drumroll. Solar system planet terrains have safe areas or blind spots from which the player can safely shoot at bunkers. <sighs> those, those official hints from the operator's manual are just, uh, just a thing of great joy. Uh, great rejoicing. So, there you are. So, that's pretty much everything I have to say about Gravatar. What do you have to say about Gravatar? The game is hard as hell, but I really enjoy it. I suck at it, and it's I, I have fun playing it. I don't think I could see myself spending hours on it. And all this, most of the stuff you said is news to me. It's like, oh, it, there are different things as you advance because yeah, I can never and advance. I didn't even realize I wasn't even paying attention to that myself, and I didn't know about the uh, the uh, what are they the super bonus points? 
I did a lot of research on this one. Let me tell you. Yeah, please tell me. Oh, I just did. Oh. And I, I know I'm kind of jumping way ahead, but I'm just going to go ahead and give me and give my rating right now. Solid three, potentially four. The only reason I don't definitively say four is that, well, I get turned off by its difficulty because it's like, okay, I got this. I get this. You know what? This is good enough for me. I know I'm not going to be able to destroy the other planets and stuff. I'm not even going to bother trying. So I'm just going to go play something else. But the thing is, one thing that I really absolutely love about the game is the color. There's something Mm -hmm. very attractive about those color graphics on this. Indeed. Very beautiful color graphics in this game. And um, you can't fault this game for its graphics or or really even its sound effects. It uh, kind of makes a like kind of almost a, a pulsating sound. Uh, when you first start playing the game, and then it, it's got the obvious Atari asteroids like shooting sounds and thrusting sounds. Yeah. But yeah, this game is insanely difficult. If they could find a way to make it just a, a tad easier, I could easily rate this game a lot higher. But the way it is, I have to rate sure. this game a three. I like the Atari 2600 version of this a lot better. I still wouldn't rate it a five. But, you know, if we were talked about 2600 games, I would definitely rate the 2600 version of four. As would There's I. a lot more leeway, even on the hard variations in uh, in the 2600 version of this. But uh, yeah, there was hardly anyone ever playing this. I mean, people got turned off on it. I bet you the first time I played this was at Putt-Putt Golf and Games. And so few people played this game that they had it in the most prominent place in the entire arcade. When you opened the front door, there was like just like a little hallway, but the big room was off to the right. Uh, because the way that the floor plan was, was like, if you went around a corner, I mean, there was the uh, you know bathrooms and storage rooms, so there was only like a short entryway. And they had Gravatar right there sitting as you opened the front door to the facility. And uh, I, I'm certain they did that just to get people to play the game. In fact, Reactor was just, just around the corner from it. That was the second game that you saw when you entered the arcade, uh, because not a lot of people played that one. And again, game we got to talk about sometime soon. But um, so yeah, it, it's... It's just insanely difficult. I mean, it's not a terrible game by a long shot. But again, I could easily rate this game higher if they did something to to make this game easier. And there you are. And it just occurs to me that we didn't talk about scores. Oh, we didn't? Not out of Gravatar, no. Well, let's remedy that horrible sin now, their their schmirk and snarf. Uh, Uh, Let's see. The um, Orcade.com highest score is performed or was performed by Ben Falls at Galloping Ghost Arcade on March 9th, 2014. Ben scored 303,800. How? Wait, oh, hold on. 300 and? 303,800. So he was a killer pilot. I don't know if I'd want to have that kind of reputation. I'm not, I, I wouldn't want to be a murderer. Well, but, uh, actually, if he scored over 400,000, he would have technically been a murder murderer because he would have been a Pontius pilot then. Wow. Like perhaps maybe Dan Coogan, who has the Twin Galaxies world record effective December 23rd, 2006, verified by a video submission. Now, you just said how to the 300,000 score. Last episode, you said a how about some other score. I don't remember which one it was. It, Battlezone. Wasn't Juno, it was Battlezone, yes. Well... Dan Coogan on December 3rd, 2006, or at least it was verified then. I don't know when he actually performed it, but he scored 8,029,450. And according to this, he's got to be lucky. Yeah. Which I think it's truer than uh, than anyone actually is aware. And I th- I got, I think, 7,000 in MAME, and I was thrilled with that. 
I got like 4,500 somewhere in that neighborhood. It's like, man. I, and this yeah, is a game you, you actually. I know in my notes, if you looked at my notes, it says 35,990. No, that I forgot to erase that. That was from like the previous episode. Ah, okay. It's a good thing I didn't read your notes then. Ah, good. Then you won't try yeah. to correct me when I talk about something that's totally missing from my notes. Right. Correct. Uh, this is not a game I see myself going back to. Uh, really? Very, not very often anyway. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could easily see myself going back to Gravatar now and then. The only thing is it's, I I don't know if anybody around here really has it. I think Doc has it at Galloping. Well, yeah, obviously they do have it. Because that's where the Orcade World Record right. is from. Well, at least it's from four years ago. They had, they had right. it four years ago. And uh, the thing about Gravatar, and uh, something that you mentioned that kind of stuck out to me was you mentioned how there were no Gravatar sequels. When I always felt that Gravatar was possibly at least a spiritual sequel to Lunar Lander, except they made it slightly more playable and they gave you more of a point than just landing. You know. Well, the information that I was reading... Uh, indicated that this was inspired by Lunar Lander. So you could say it's a spiritual sequel. I did want to bring up that there are other games uh, that are inspired by Gravatar. Now, I believe there is an Atari 2600 game called Thrust, which is uh, similar. Uh, there's a variation of it that actually uses the driving controller and an, uh, a secondary controller to control the ship. That's a homebrew by Thomas Yench, isn't it? It is. And there was a game, I think it was on the Amiga, I know it was on the Atari ST that I really loved, which was kind of a combination of, uh, of Gravatar and, um, and Scramble, uh, called Oids. No, actually a combination of Gravatar and Defender called Oids. Uh, they, it had the, you know, the controls were the same, rotate left, right, uh, tractor beam, shield, fire, thrust, all that. The, uh, the difference is that you also had to land on the planet. You had to shoot these little pods, and these little robots would come out, and you had you had to land, and little robots would run toward your ship, and the object was to rescue them. The play mechanics were the same as Gravatar. The object was the same as Defender, and I really enjoyed that game a lot. In fact, I would say I really enjoyed that more than I enjoyed Gravatar, because it was difficult, but it didn't seem insanely difficult like Gravatar did. So that was a game to look for if you've got an Atari ST. I'm pretty sure it was on the Amiga. It was produced by FTL, the same people that did the dungeon master games for said platforms hmm. so if you can find that one uh, check that out that's a pretty fun game and i want to think there's another game like it that i've played yeah, i never heard of it i think there's another game like like gravatar that i've played before too but darned if i can remember what it is at this point i could be wrong on that i have been known to be wrong before quite frequently but uh so already. Wow, we went, we blew through that oh, one. Oh, by the way, as to where I first saw Gravitar, I'm not really yes. sure where I first saw I honestly don't know. I forgot to ask uh, you. Because I, I just never really paid much attention, at least in the golden age, as it were, or as it was, whatever. But uh, I'm guessing I probably saw it and played it at a Galloping Ghost. So I don't know. It was It's just nothing that I ever was really familiar with. I kind of always knew about the Atari 2600 version, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's really... You don't have the 2600 version, do you? Yeah, I have it in the red box. I think I mentioned oh, you, that like you, 10 oh, minutes ago. Oh, yeah, you did. Why am I thinking you didn't? Uh, I do remember the first time I heard about Gravatar was actually in the Atari Age magazine. I remember uh, I remember distinctly seeing it in one of their, uh, in the Atari Age magazine, uh, what was it, Arcade Corner or whatever they called it. I think that's what they called it. And they were talking about that. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, that sounds neat. I kind of want to try this. And didn't see it at... Uh, 
at putt-putt for a long time after that article came out. But um, eventually they got it, as I said, and that's where I first played it. And I think I gave it a few tries, but again, don't hate the game. Not really in love with it either, just because of the difficulty, but oh well. And with that, so, I think and with maybe that, time, uh, time to move on. Do you th- what do you think? Time to move on. Okay, then uh, let's see. I think the other game we were going to discuss was... Uh, Bosconian. Bosconian. Huzzah! Bosconian. Uh, was that your game or my game? That was your game. Oh, okay. I guess I my better talk about it then. Well, okay, fine. Then I'll talk about it. Uh, Bosconian is a game. Yes, it is a game. And it was released by Namco in Japan in 1981. And as was Namco's habit back then, they had Midway Games distributed in North America, which they did in February 1982. In the game Bosconian, you, yes, you, you control a, dis- a, you control a star destroyer fighter ship, or as the manual says, space fighter, and you defend your solar system. Ooh, we have a theme here. Hmm. Ooh, I, I didn't I, even know about that one. You defend your solar system against Bosconian conquer. I don't know where Boskin is. I don't know. Is it, is, maybe it's in. Well, uh, you know what though? Is maybe. it in that, po- that part of Massachusetts where Popeye lives? Maybe. No, um, I think what it is, many people might not know that my mother-in-law works as a lunch lady at the cafeteria at Morris Community High School, and uh, they sell every now and then these breadsticks that are called Bosco sticks, which have cheese inside, so maybe they're protecting breadsticks that have cheese inside. Ooh, hmm, Bosconian. But hey, anyway, you got some Bosconian conquerors flying around, and you have to defend your solar system against them, and of course, you have to knock out their space stations, and you have 17 possible rounds to go through. Uh, What if you go beyond the 17th round? Well, it just starts over from the 12th round, so there you go. And anyway, the enemies you'll be fighting, what's interesting is that they call them missiles, even though they're clearly fighter ships, but you have I-type missiles, which kind of sort of resemble your typical space shooter or fighter ship in any video game. Uh, There are P-type missiles, which look like boomerangs. There are E-type missiles, which they kind of look like bombs with uh, fins or something. And there's a spy ship. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really know what the purpose of the spy ship is other than just to be another enemy. But uh, in addition to the enemies, there are also some asteroids that are laying about the solar system. They basically look like rocks. they're They're easy to spot. And there are Cosmo mines. And the Cosmo mines are little blue spheres with spikes sticking out of them. And um, just like you'd expect, if you hit one of those things, you your ship gets destroyed. What's really cool, what I really like about this game, hmm. about Bosconian, is that if the enemies touch those things, they die as well. I love that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's a good strategy sometimes to just leave a couple of those sitting out as opposed to shooting them, even though you get points for that. You get 10 points for the asteroids, 20 points for the Cosmo Mines. And uh, occasionally, the enemies are going to attack you in a formation. And uh, depending on what rounds, you have different formations of different types of uh, enemy missiles. Rounds 1, 3, and 12, you'll have formations of I-type missiles. Rounds 2, 4, 5, 8, 11, and 13, you'll have formations of P-type missiles. And all the other rounds will have the E-type missiles. When they have a formation, they'll be in either an X-shape or a carrot, C-A-R-E-T, shape, or just in a straight line. And if you destroy all of the enemies that are in a formation, you get a bonus. You get a 500-point bonus if they're I-type missiles, a 1,000-point bonus if they're P-types, or 1,500 points if they're E-types. Ooh. If you destroy those those uh, fighters individually, that is either 
not a complete formation, or if they just come at you one at a time, then you get 50 points for the I-types, 60 points for the P-types, 70 points for the E-types. Oh, by the way, the spy ship, the score for that is a mystery value. A mystery value? A mystery value. Ooh. But anyway, all those enemies are going to stop you. Well, at least they're going to try to stop you from destroying the Bosconian space station. Oh, shoot. I just realized I missed an obvious joke here. Good. <clears throat> and Bruce, to destroy the space station, the what you have band. to do is destroy all the si- <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, no soundboard for you. Oh. But, uh, yeah, the space stations are surrounded. Well, the space stations kind of look hexagonal, even though they're not. Uh, they're actually kind of spiky. They, they have six different wings to them, so to speak. And each of those wings has a round cannon. And to destroy a space station, you can either destroy all six cannons, or you can shoot the missile launcher that's right in the middle of the station. You can only shoot it from the top or bottom of the station, and you can only shoot that thing when the door is open. It's a quick way to destroy the station. I, I think I mentioned this in the prior episode when I, I had Facebook open, and in the Underground Retrocade patrons' Facebook page, there was a discussion about Bosconian strategies, and one of the strategies somebody mentioned was rather than destroy the space station by directly shooting the missile launcher, you probably get more points by shooting all the cannons. And that is absolutely true. You get more points by shooting the cannons. I think you get uh, 200 points a pop for the cannons. Of course, I think the best advice is the advice that uh, Billy Mitchell gave you when you were playing Crazy Climber. Don't die. Exactly. Yeah. Wow, we're like name dropping tonight, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And uh, to clear a round, you need to destroy all of the stations in the round. And uh, different rounds have different numbers of space stations. Uh, So anyway, that's uh, the gameplay in general. And there are some more things worth mentioning. For example, the screen is split up. uh, Roughly three quarters of the screen is your gameplay. That's where the solar system is and everything. And on the other side of the screen, the right side, that little one quarter of the screen you have a purple scanner, as it will, kind of a radar that'll show you your position and the locations of the space stations, but it will not show you where the asteroids, Cosmo mines, and missiles are. That You're on your own with those. And also, you will have an indicator that tells you whether you're you're in condition green, yellow, or red. Generally, if if the condition is green, it means you can fly around safely, there aren't any enemies. Condition yellow is usually what you're going to have. And condition red means basically you're taking too freaking long, the spy ship is coming after you, and all the enemies are going to move much faster. I usually die when condition red happens. <laughs> Some, I know a couple of times I made it, I survived the uh, round with that, though. And um, one thing worth mentioning is that there is... All right, now, the things that I read said that there's synthesized voice in here. I think it's digitized. I was wondering if you're going to mention the voice because I didn't uh, see it in your notes here. Because you didn't look at my notes, that's why. I got your notes in my screen right now. Oh, right now. But yeah, but the thing is, the voice sounds digitized, and also, whoever did the voice is obviously not a native English speecher, because... Speecher? Speaker. Like- <laughs> speecher. Or speecher, for that matter. Because there's there's a clear accent on there. 
It's like condition wed. Condition wed. Well, forget when the game starts. Is he saying lock on or blast off or what is he saying? And is he saying alert, alert or a light, a light? I know it sounds like a light. Okay, a light, a light. Okay, those of you who watch the Daily Show, the the voice sounds like Ronnie Chang. Locked on. I know it sounds terrible, but that's the fact. That's the first thing he came. I was like, that guy sounds like Ronnie Chang. There is one voice in the in the game that actually is clear. Now, of course, that's the one I don't remember. And what really threw me, and I think the only reason I didn't understand is because it didn't really Battle make... Battle stations, that's what it is. That's what I didn't quite understand, but only because it didn't really make sense. Why we, Why are you saying battle stations when a formation happens? Battle stations. What's the... What's, what does that mean? Of course, are you possibly hearing the transmissions from the enemy Bosconian's bases? Okay, but what's ba- what about battle station? What's a battle station? It doesn't matter. No matter no matter what context it well, is, it doesn't really seen, make like, sense. Well, have you seen like Star Wars or any sort of a movie where they say battle stations and everybody goes running up to their battle stations? They, there's usually more context for- to it. They'll say like, "Go to your battle stations" or something. Well, I mean, true, but I think you're just. I think you're I, just being. Uh, no, I, um, no, it just it's legit. It legitimately confused me. Something I I really noticed about the voice is whoever's doing that voice sounds kind of moody. Like, you'd rather be somewhere else. A lie. A lie. A lie. A lie. I'd rather be somewhere else. (laughs) You all suck. (laughs) Leave me alone. Sounds like me on a good day. Oh. Oh. Um, let's see. Is it button X? Yeah. Button X. There you go. You know what? You should just say button X and we'll know what it is. Oh, okay. I'll I'll, I'll have a recording of somebody saying button X. Anyway, and uh, the other thing worth mentioning, and uh, this could be theoretically an uh, addenda or errata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. right, right. Need a record scratch too, but that's a little cliche, isn't it? It it is, you know. In the ah, go away, go away. There. Yeah, yeah. Ferg suggested uh, to not use the record scratch anymore. He he said, "Don't use that and don't use this." remember him saying not to use that because that's kind of cliche but that's one of my favorite sound effects though <laughs> it's so standard it's so standard. it is interestingly he didn't say to stop using the uh the booger snot clip which i, th- I i'm getting sick of that one personally <laughs> but anyway going back to uh our topic at hand speaking of addendum errata the reason i say that is because i believe i said once before that moon i suddenly forgot the name of it moon patrol moon patrol was the first game to have the continue feature. It's not. It oh, was no, no, Bosconian. No, no. I think one of the video game documentaries, like I think maybe Chasing Ghosts, somebody in that film said that Moon Patrol was the, uh, the thing that started it all. But no, it was Bosconian. Bosconian was the first game to offer you to continue the level if you put in the proper credit before a countdown timer goes out. Um, I'm actually looking at something here that says there's some debate whether it's Bosconian or Tempest, uh, because they're saying that Tempest is an earlier game, but at the beginning of the game, you can select up to a certain level, uh, but it's not strictly a continue. However, on Tempest, Tempest, after you've completed a level, I, I believe you can select the last level you played on, so... It's, it's, um, yeah. And millipede does something similar. I think it's something like you can select up to the previous level that you played. Right. I think the strictly speaking, if it's just a 
insert coin to continue, then it would be Bosconian. However, if you count uh, having a selection of levels, including the last one that you played, then it would be Tempest. But I think if you're if you're really going to talk about it in the strictest sense, I would probably give the nod to Bosconian. Yeah, because because again, like the Atari games that do that, there's also some extra stuff in there that you don't get if you just play through normally. Right. Like Millipede, if you start the game at a particularly high level in Millipede, you'll have nine spiders on the screen at the beginning. You won't have that any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a different thing from the put another coin in and continue the same game feature. Oh, holy crap. Looking at this article uh, on Bosconian that I have in front of me, there's another theme for tonight's episode. Ooh, well, let's yeah, hold, like make a I'll note hold of, off that. On that. Yeah. And so instead, let's talk about a Easter egg. Let's. Yeah, an Easter egg. Now, the thing is, like, the only way you can do this is if you can access the dip switches or if you have your own bosconian cabinet of course then you can run it in mame too and do this because obviously you would never have you would never run mame unless you actually have the actual arcade cabinets of the games you're running in mame because otherwise it would be illegal i forgot to mention that if we're talking about stuff accessing in dip switches gravatar actually has a demonstration mode that can access through the dip switches oh really uh remember we talked about that with arabian the thing with arabian though is you can play the game normally uh, you can set it into demonstration mode, but have you know people can play the game normally. Uh, whereas Gravatar, you can only do this while the dip switches are set, and it's not a regular playing uh, demonstration mode. Uh, huh. It basically just allows you to see the different planet surfaces. So okay, well, what you can do with the dip switches in uh, what the hell is the name of this game? Bosconian is uh, flip the service mode dip switch on. And then when the game goes into service mode, hold down the fire button. You have two buttons. You have two fire buttons, by the way, one on the left, one on the right. So that way it adapts to uh, left-handed and right-handed players, but hold down the fire button and then move up five times, right five times, down once, and then left four times. This is really awesome. It's, it's just crap. Your pants. Amazing. When you do that, the Easter egg is there's a Namco copyright message that appears on the bottom of the screen. I know. I'm so excited. Oh, isn't it? Didn't I say it was crap? It was crap your pants exciting. Oh yeah, it's craptacular. There are some home versions of Bosconian. If you happen to have had a Sharp X sixty eight thousand or a MSX computer uh, back when this was a thing, um, you could have played Bosconian. Or if you have one now, of course you could do that. And there was an Atari eight bit homebrew of Bosconian, which I actually was looking for that tonight, and. Um I couldn't find the uh, the download file for oh, it. Oh, really? Well, I'll have to send it to you if I ever look for it and find it myself. Oh, so. okay. There are also versions for the Amstrad CPC, ZX Spectrum, and Commodore 64, and they were called Bosconian 87. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, there are Bosconian clones. There was Draconian on the Trash 80. There was Azarian on the Atari ST. Have you Which ever played I have that? Played, I've played that one, and I was trying to remember the name of it. Interestingly, I think there's an arcade game called Azarian, which is actually totally different. Oh. Uh, a totally different game. Oh, that could have been a great theme. Oh, well. Too oh, late. Well. We just did a Bosconian episode. So, haha. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's also X-Cobo and Kobo Deluxe, which are freeware computer platform games that uh, uh, you can run on pretty much anything. In fact, I think you pointed out Kobo to me. Yeah. In fact, um, yes, you I've did. I've been playing, actually, I first ran into Kobo Deluxe when uh, years back. I decided to just run strictly uh, Ubuntu Linux and get away from Windows. Of course, then I had to have played World of Warcraft, and so I went back to Windows. But uh, 
Cobalt Deluxe is insanely difficult, insanely addicting. And I did forget to mention when I was talking to you, the, the guy that makes that, uh, was it David Olofsson? Uh, by the way, I uh, messaged him on Facebook and he's uh, going to look forward to this episode. He, uh, he actually has a sequel to Kobo Deluxe called Kobo Redux. Ooh. Or Redux. It's, uh, it's not free. You can buy it in the Steam store. It is uh, only $3.49. Oh. $3.49. So it's not that expensive. And uh, wait, is it in the Steam store? Yeah, it's on, in the Steam store or on itch.io. Takes everything about Kobo Deluxe and like really ramps everything up. Uh, the graphics are amazing. Uh, they're pretty good in Kobo Deluxe, but um, the graphics are even more amazing. It's even more difficult, if you can believe that. Uh, you have a variety of weapons this time. But uh, if you don't want to shell out 350 well, even if you do want to shell out 350 I would recommend checking out Kobo, Kobo Deluxe uh, first. I wish I had Chef's parents in the um, soundboard. I need about 350 From South Park? Yes. Definitely, if you have Windows or Linux, check out Kobo Deluxe. Uh, I actually asked him about the uh, the Macintosh version, and he said that the, he pulled it down, even though there's a download link, because um, newer versions of the OS, it didn't compile properly or something like that. And so that's why there's no Mac version. I found a link through CNET, actually. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes for any of our Mac users. And uh, it's it's a safe download. The only thing is, at least on mine, because I have... Uh, the latest operating system. I have High Sierra. I don't know if this has anything to do with it. It plays fine. The only problem is it's really, really, really tiny, and you can't enlarge the screen on it. But it's there and it's playable. I wonder if maybe that might be part of the issue. That's probably that. That's probably. Oh it. yeah, it's, and it's, if you download it, it looks really good. If you do download it, make sure you have a controller. Do not attempt this game with the keyboard. I'm no, just I warning did. you right now. I, I attempted it with the keyboard. I got so freaking addicted to Kobo Deluxe, but we're not talking about Kobo Deluxe right now. No, instead we're talking about uh, Bosconian. There is one more clone that I would like to mention that I have not tried yet, but I probably probably be my next and probably last for a, a long time homebrew purchase from Atari Age, and that'll be uh, Draconian. So mm-hmm. that's available on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred on a Atari. A very impressive Age. looking homebrew. And I'll by put the way. a link to that in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, and there were also kind of, sort of, some spiritual sequels. Well, two, actually. There was Blast Off, released in Japan only in 1989. Lock on! And there was Final Blaster for PC Engine, which uh, was from the following year, 1990. Similar to Blast Off, but only released in Japan. Alas. So Uh. sad. And, um, yeah, so, um, you know what? I'm just going to go straight into, uh, the high scores that have happened. Let's see. Orcade.com and Twin Galaxies both track two different variations of Bosconian, one tournament mode, one marathon mode. So Orcade.com in tournament mode, meaning that, uh, you have either no or limited bonus life in this game. Uh, Joe Ledesma at, uh, MAGFest Music and Game Festival 12 on January 1st, 2014, he scored 620,780. And because we are a very timely podcast, it's only fair to mention that Music and Gaming Festival this year has already happened. It happened the first week of January in National wow. Harbor, Maryland. So get your... Hey, we're early for next year. Yeah. So get your uh, get your flux capacitors ready and uh, set it for the first weekend of January and head out to uh, Maryland. Marathon settings, meaning you can get all the bonus lives you want. 
Interestingly, to check out the, the highest score in this on arcade.com, Steve Wagner, who performed this September 17th, 2011 at Richie Knuckles Arcade, uh, he scored 500,620. So he scored lower than the tournament uh, record Interesting. holder. Oh, by the way, uh, real quick, speaking of Richie Knuckles, have we heard anything about his arcade reopening? Nothing yet. I don't know if he's, I think he's kind of taking a break for a while before like okay, doing anything with that. So, I know he recently went to, uh, I think it was Australia or something just to get away. And, right. So. He, I, he had Kong off in Australia, actually. I believe. Oh, okay. I, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, the Twin Galaxies, which is generally the go-to uh, record holder of video game scores. Tournament settings, uh, James Bakeman has the record, and it was verified via DVD on December 5th, 2010. He scored 520,390. Marathon settings, Ken McLeod, and verified live by way of referee February 24th, 1983, 2,913,510. Wow. So as for me... Um, my highest score on an official arcade cabinet was 45,600. That was in tournament settings. So that's probably why I didn't do so well. If I, if it wasn't the tournament settings, I probably would have gotten a lot more bonus lives. So I would have done much better, even though, uh, you're, you get a bonus life at 20,000 and then 70,000. Um, anyway, uh, that was performed December 30th, 2017 at the underground retrocade. And, uh, I have since improved that via MAME. I actually did buy a Bosconian cabinet just so I could play it in MAME, and then I sold the Bosconian cabinet right before we recorded this. So uh, there you go. I broke I broke even. <clears throat> so I played it all legally, copyright attorneys. Performed January 22nd, 2018. I scored 52,400. Nice. And, uh, that brings me to this. Uh, Jimmy G, uh, if you have any, any uh, scores you'd like to share, please do so. No, not really. Well, how about this? When did you first see and or play this game? Tell me about that experience. Let's talk. You know, I don't know when I first saw this one. Um, I know I'd seen it in the arcade. I want to think this might be, for me personally, again, a laundromat game. But I don't really know. I want to think maybe the first place I've seen this was in, in a location like a restaurant or a laundromat or something. But I really don't know the first place I've seen or played this game. I know I've played it. I know I've played it, and I know I've seen it way back, you know, way back when. But um, this is one game I cannot pinpoint. Huh. Well, you know, this is another one of those No Quarter podcast games in that I never heard of it until I heard No Quarter mention it. Really? Seriously, yeah. I never heard about it until, like, the past, like, five or six years or so. I was like, what the heck is that? What the heck's Bosconian? And the first time I ever saw it, I saw it at Galloping Ghost Maybe two or three years ago, I may have played it, but not really given it much thought. I probably futzed around with it a couple of seconds, like, yeah, whatever. But uh, I played it at uh, Underground Retrocade December 30th, 2017, and I actually, like, gave it a little bit of effort, and I absolutely freaking loved it. This is a fun game. It, it really is. It's got a few little problems. Well, maybe, well, maybe not. Okay, well, the first thing is, this is not a problem. But the game starts off deceptively easy. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the first round or two are pretty straightforward. Most players can make them through them. But then it's, it seems the difficulty seems to like ramp up fairly well. I think one of the the only real problem with this game is it seems like your ship moves slow, and it, it seems like that it moves a lot slower than everything else, or well, than the enemies anyway. 
And um, it does. Yeah, it absolutely does. And it, that, that's control, one of the challenges in the game is that you have true. to maneuver yourself around because they will catch you. The controls do seem a little, even though it's just a joystick and a button, but the actual control of the ship seems a little clunky. I get maybe not clunky. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Zoftig? Is that the Flurzelquirp? Let me think. It's Beneful? Your ship is not really that maneuverable. Maybe that's the, maybe that's a better way of putting it. Ah, but there's something that makes up for that, though. Oh, and what is that? When you hit the fire button, not only are you firing out of the nose of the ship, but you're also firing out of the butt of the ship at the same time. Ah, so... Uh, Which really helped poo. me a lot the first time that I played this game... First time I played Bosconian because I would try to chase these ships and it, and it would just be disaster. But I realized that, hey, if I move away from them and shoot, I can destroy them. Yeah, that comes in real handy. One thing I really like is sometimes you'll get a couple of the bases and the uh, the missile bay will be lined up exactly. If you could position yourself and just hit the fire button once and blow them up both at the same time, that's kind of an awesome feeling. Yeah, and I love firing out of the butt. That's really it's it's fun. Oh, and by the way, I still have plenty of cough drops. I I want not for cough drops tonight. Hmm. Hey, anything else that we should say about uh, Gravitar? About uh, Bosconian? Well, really about either of them. Nothing that I can think of other yeah, than I, the fact that uh, I'm going to rate it a four. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I I'm going to do one better. I'm going to rate the I'm going to rate this game a five because it Ooh. it just sucked me in right away. And, um, honestly, I, it was so hard to prepare for this episode because I would fire it up in MAME, just do some research, and then I would not stop playing it over and over <laughs> and over. The game has that feel. It, it really does. And I, I love it. I love the sounds in it. I love the music. And now I know where, uh, Victor and Sean get their music from. <laughs> Walk on. Walk on. A light, a light. A light, a light. Gosh, that is such a... You need to add those to the... To I the should, I should. Or at least a light, Or, or a add light. it to yours, you know. Oh, yeah, if, as soon as I get that going. I gotta see if my tablet works. I don't know if it does. I think my problem is that um, I just play a lot of Kobo Deluxe and a lot of Kobo Redux, and that might kind of hamper my enjoyment of Bosconian a little. But I really do like this game. But it's just not really one of my go-tos, but I will play it. Yeah. And... Um, yeah. Hey, next time I mean, I'm it's under- a fun game. It's hey, fun next, game. next time I, I'm at Underground Retrocade, which will actually be, um, assuming that this gets out in time for people to hear, this coming Saturday, the, um, what the heck date is that? The 27th, is it? Today's the 23rd. Yeah, it'll be the 27th because uh, the Cosmotrons people are going to be there and I can't wait to play that. And I'll probably hang out at the Bosconian machine for a while too. Oh, I got to see if I can make it up there. And, uh, wow, this, we're ending the episode and we have, we don't even have 90 minutes of raw footage for this. We don't even have 90 minutes? No. Not quite 90 minutes. We're just yeah, about there. We're, but we still I, got a few things we need to do, though. Oh, yeah. Like what? Well, first of all, uh, we should probably announce the theme for tonight's episode. Oh, yeah. The theme. What is the theme? You're good at announcing the theme, so I'll let you do that. Okay. Well, t- well tonight's theme, and I found a secondary one. Yes. These are games in which your, shoots, sh- your ship shoots something out of the backside. Oh. In Bosconian, it's a second bullet. and Gravatar, it's a tractor beam. Oh. But I found... Uh, as we were talking about the sound effects or the voice in Bosconian, I found a secondary theme. Do tell. Okay. The 1982 Arcade Award for Best Science Fiction Fantasy Coin-Op Games were between three games. And the winner was announced in January of 1983. 
The games were Zaxxon, Bosconian, and Gravatar. And Bosconian Ooh. won. Uh-huh. And the theme, the secondary theme is they were, they were both up for the 1982 Arcade Award for Best Science Fiction Fantasy Coin-Op Game. Oh, interesting. Yeah. See? I That's see. That's called research on the fly. Uh-huh. Flying yes. research. Yes. Research by Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't and, add that sound you told me to add, so uh, that's okay. Oh, uh, that's fine. Yeah. But I, you know what? There's so many sounds we could add. In fact, I was thinking about, I was thinking for my soundboard, uh, just having one soundboard where I broke down all of the phrases in Gauntlet and Gauntlet 2, and just so that we could just make up phrases on the fly. Like, Oh, there you go. Flying Red phrases. Red wizard shot the food badly. Mm-hmm. Yes. But um, anyway, I guess, hey, that's the end of episode uh, number 69. So for episode number 70, upon what did we agree? I think uh, Moonwalker and um, uh, Jackson, Trivial Pursuit? Michael Jackson's Moonwalker and Trivial oh, Michael, Pursuit. Oh, crap. I have to, uh, Drat, I wrote down the wrong thing. Now I'm going to play the wrong game. Yes. So Michael Jackson's, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, Moonwalker and Trivial Pursuit. And uh, let's thank a few people, shall we? We shall. Thank you, of course, to Steve Tui at... Uh, Tuiville, and uh, thank you to these people who've sponsored us over Patreon. Thank you to our uh, most recent contest winner, Kyle Etter. Yay, and, Kyle! Uh, thank you to Jonas Rulo and Nate Lockhart and Underground Retrocade and Greg Polander and Atari Bytes Podcast and Rory Coleman. Did I say Rory? Co- Why do I always ask about Rory Coleman? Because he's. Is it an easy name to forget to say? I don't know. But uh, thank you, Rory Charles Coleman. Thank you, uh, Tim Foley and Michael D'Angelo and Art Guglielmo and Keith Sheehan and D. Alex and Richard Valdez. Thank you so much. And uh, if you'd like your name to be added to that list, then uh, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. And you can give us a little bit of cash every month, like maybe a dollar or so, or maybe, um, $7,000 or so every month. Although the taxes would be pretty, uh, outrageous at that point. But, uh, anyway, they'll support this podcast and, uh, help us get some, uh, you'll notice by the way that, uh, Jimmy G sounds much better this week. It's because of donations from listeners like you. He was able to upgrade his microphone. Well, actually I found a button that I shut up. We want money. To- Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yes, it was because of people like you that funded my um, uh, thing that made it more possible for me to find things to fix things. We should get with. tote bags. Ooh, yes. And you can have for twenty dollar donation this beautiful WTTW Channel Eleven tote bag. Oh, dude. Speaking of which, did I tell you that? Uh that uh, the missus uh, was interviewed by PBS NewsHour. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. What about? Uh, something. Long story. Something to do with like a program they're doing at her school, like something that she teaches. Oh, cool. Awesome. So look for that. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to air sometime in March. In March. But just uh, a anyway, local hey, piece, yeah. huh? I don't know. It's it's a it's a national show, so I don't know. But um, anyway, hey, let's um. Well, then again, it's unlike Pie Factory Podcast, which is international. Hello, Indonesia. Are you ready to rock? But um, anyway, hey, uh, this is um, Sean, who's going to have a different name next episode and the following episode as well, and uh, coming to you from Chicago. And 
Um, I think somebody else co-hosts this podcast as well. Yeah, that was me. My name is Jim, and I'm Morris. In Morris. Mine lo- oh, Not to be confused with Mount Morris, Illinois, which is about 120 miles away. Yeah, I have a friend who uh, grew up there, actually. But, uh, yeah. Oh, well. And there's a reason she came screaming to Chicago. I'll just put it to you that way. But uh, anyway, hey, it's Pie Factory Podcast, episode number 69. We'll come back to you with uh, episode 70 in a couple of weeks. And the absence of jokes about 69, with the possible exception of maybe one or two, is our gift to you. You're welcome. Indeed. And with that, bye-bye. Jumbo Shrimp. This episode of the Pie Factory Podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory Podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash PieFactoryPodcast. In milk, hot or cold, on ice cream. Bosco chocolate flavored syrup. Go get some.